This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Ben Buchanan, a psychologist and co-founder, director of NovoPsych. NovoPsych is an Australian health tech company providing software for administering psychological, remote and online questionnaires to patients. Ben breaks down his motivations to develop outcome monitoring after realising the feedback systems could be done better. We delve into why outcome measurement should focus on Australian requirements and how the transformation with telehealth can be easily adapted to with the NovoPsych range. Ben provides some guidance on what the telehealth workflow is and how to implement automation with remote symptom monitoring of patients between visits or after treatment. Let's jump in. G'day, Ben. Hey, Yanni. How you going? Fantastic, thanks. And um, thanks for making the time. As I was uh, saying to you a little bit earlier, I think it's a great time to be talking about remote outcome measures. Um, Before we get too deep into it, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? I'm a clinical psychologist by training and, you know, work in private practice uh, a little bit, but mostly I'm passionate about clinicians evaluating their own uh, practice through the use of routine outcome monitoring. And so I created NovoPsych because I felt like the way that uh, in the healthcare system we were collecting feedback was actually pretty rudimentary. I remember sitting in this um, this lecture hall and the... Um, the lecturer teaching us how to like you know print off a survey and then give it to someone and then score it and and then calculate it and i thought oh my gosh we can do better than that and so it was through the frustration of seeing how rudimentary some of our feedback systems were in the healthcare system that i got really passionate about um eliciting feedback from from clients that's awesome, uh, Ben. So I, I guess there is a little bit of a backstory there. So you've come out, you've had a crack at um, starting up. Do you want to share a little bit about some of your journey over the years? Yeah, well, um, Novosac, it's actually oh, we started in 2012 now. And um, at the time, I think iPads were invented in 2011. And so we um, initially launched an app on the iPad. And so we felt like we were sort of pioneers at the time. Of course, these days, everyone's using iPads and technology in their practices. Thank goodness for that because it just improves practice so much. And, um, yeah, so I started NovoPsych with two friends of mine, one of whom was a medical doctor and the other who was the IT specialist. We just came up with this idea and, and launched it. And then since then we've had, you know, huge organic growth. We were worldwide at one stage and then sold off the U.S. business and now really focusing on Australia where we feel like there's probably some a real appetite for collecting measurements about the progress of patients in the mental health setting. With the focus on Australia, um, what brings you into that focus? What What is it about Australia that makes that a requirement rather than trying to do one size fits all across the world? So at the start, we thought, all right, we'll cast our net really wide and we'll um, we'll go global. And that worked really well, especially when, you know, we were one of the first players in, in the market space. But what's happened since then is that there's different requirements for different jurisdictions. There's different privacy settings that different countries need. 
Um, and also in the mental health setting, there's uh, different countries focus on different protocols and different assessments. So, for example, in Australia, one of the most widely used assessments to measure mental health outcomes is called the K10, the Kessler Psychological Distress Scale. Um, and so while in Australia we use that a lot, over in the US they use other assessments like the GAD7 and um, PHQ, for example. And so really it's about knowing what the clinicians want, the culture around the clinicians, and also knowing the policy settings that are incentivizing different ways of interacting with clients. In the Australian context, some of the funding that's, that's, uh, that's given for mental health purposes, it requires some outcome monitoring to occur. And so that means we've been able to tailor our um, offering in NovoPsych to really fit the exact purpose that Australian uh, mental health clinicians are needing. I think it's a really good experience there uh, to uh, reach that conclusion. Uh, you know, the Western world is very advanced in healthcare terms, but it also has a lot of jurisdictional differences. And I think that applies to all software, not just uh, NovoPsych, you know, whether it's APP compliance or some of the idiosyncrasies within each of the professions within the healthcare sector. As you probably know, with um, digital health, and uh, communication standards between clinical systems here in Australia. That's quite unique to Australia. And yet, you know, we do have this kind of abundance of technology. You can go online, you can go on the internet, you can go to a Play Store, or that means that all of a sudden there are all these software that's basically trying to make a claim that it's something that you could use. But the reality is that you do need to know a little bit more about the jurisdiction that you're actually operating. So is, is that kind of been your experience as well? Am I paraphrasing that correctly? Absolutely right. You know, the requirements that um, what we were finding um, back when we split off the US side of our business is that there was all these US requirements that our US users were asking for and all these Australian requirements Australian users were asking for and that we knew that we needed to, to build out. And so we split it off um, and the US version of NovoSyc is running happily with their, their, their new owners and then the Australian version, uh, we're able to really uh, put all of our uh, energy into making it compliant for Australia and making it fit for purpose here. Yeah, I really see what NovoPsych has produced as being a digital health clinical tool. And I love the fact that it does have that Australian focus uh, now. The big hot topic at the moment, uh, Ben, as you know, is how does mental health and uh, a lot of healthcare practitioner types now uh, deal with the lockdowns and the isolation? There's a few things I want to try and get through in this live stream with you around what NovoSci can do, even if there wasn't a COVID-19. But I'm wondering if we could sort of, you know, work our way through it where we sort of talk about the the ways to use NovoSci uh, in practice uh, in a face-to-face -face kind of engagement model with the client versus uh, working remotely and using video or voice or instant messaging to be able to facilitate a um, consultation. Well, hasn't coronavirus just on a spanner in the works. And I suppose my observation would be that the practices that have done all the groundwork well and have great IT systems pre-coronavirus have probably adapted pretty well. You know, for example, if a practice is using Core Plus, which my private practice uses, so Yanni, thank you for creating such a great product with Core Plus. Oh, thank um, you. It's a pleasure. You know, because it's a cloud-based system, we're able to just easily transition over to working remotely. Whereas some of the other practices who haven't been so digitally savvy before coronavirus have really had to step up their game quickly. 
For NovoSyc users, the process has been pretty seamless. So traditionally, the way that NovoSyc works is you've got an iPad in your room, the patient is sitting opposite you, and you key in which assessment you'd like the client to uh, take. And so in um, NovoSyc, we've got assessments for depression, anxiety, stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, ADHD, autism, social anxiety, pretty much every psychological issue you think of, NovoPsych has a measurement tool for that. And so what we'd do traditionally is we'd get the iPad, we'd key in which assessment we'd like them to take, we'd hand the physical iPad over and then they'd take it. And then when they're done, they'd hand it back. The clinician would enter in the password to get the results and to unlock the iPad. And then it would give the uh, clinician some really useful metrics it would score the assessment up and it would provide percentile ranks and metrics comparing um, the patient sitting in front of you to the other clinical samples or the normal population. And so that's how it's worked traditionally. Now, a few years ago, we created a version of NovoPsych so that you could use it without an iPad, um, so that you could send a link to the patient And then through that link, they could take the assessment on their phone or on their own computer. And so we found that pre-coronavirus, the take-up of that new system, you know, it was okay. Some of the practices who were doing a lot of remote teleconference sort of stuff before coronavirus were using it. But really, the vast majority of people were using the iPad version and wanting to, you know, do it the traditional way. And now since coronavirus... You know, pretty much all of our users have switched over to the new version and and are sending the links to their patients remotely. We've seen huge uptake in this new version of NovoSyc. And thankfully, you know, it was there and waiting and ready for everyone to do it. Um, But what it means is that you don't have to be in the room with the person. You can still get feedback about where they're at in terms of their mental health symptoms, whether they're in the suburb over or the other side of the country. And you're also doing feedback as well. Is that part of it? Uh, you're doing some feedback yeah. for the sessions themselves? One thing that I'm really passionate about is psychologists and, and mental health clinicians in general, and in fact, all healthcare providers, getting feedback from their patients in real time about the patient's experience um, of the service. You know, essentially, healthcare is a service um, industry, right? We want to you know, improve clinical outcomes. That's, that's one of the key things that that um, practitioners are seeking to do. But also we're seeking to provide a service that the client is satisfied with. Built into NovoPsych is the capacity to measure clinical outcomes over time. For example, it's really typical for me in my private practice to see people who are, say, on the 99th percentile for depression in session number one when they see me. And then over the course of, say, six to 10 to 15 sessions, I would hope if treatment has been successful, we'd see that 99 score on depression come down to maybe 95 in the, in the first few sessions and come down ultimately to below 90. So that's how I know I've done a good job clinically. And we know that there's going to be a huge amount of variation depending on, you know, lots of client factors. You know, not everyone's going to benefit from treatment um, uh, for various reasons. Um, so NovoPsych was originally designed to track treatment progress. We've also got in NovoPsych some satisfaction rating tools so that the psychologists can get a sense about how the patient experienced the session. 
we know that one of the number one predictors of treatment success for mental health patients is the therapeutic alliance. That's the relationship between the psychologist and the client. If the client trusts the psychologist, thinks that the skills and techniques that the psychologist has been talking about are useful, then that is a serious predictor of later outcomes. And so um, it, it, within NovoPsych, we've got therapeutic alliance measures that can tell the psychologist you know, from the get-go whether they're really fitting with that client or not. So the example that you gave earlier is that um, there's uh, there's a process that can be put in place, which is handing the tablet in order to get that engagement, get that feedback happening, those responses to the surveys during the in-person therapy or face-to-face version of um, of mental health care. And now um, with uh, uh, tools such as uh, video, voice, uh, instant messaging, you've got a service now that can actually send that questionnaire and that feedback form ahead of time. How are you recommending it gets used? Is it ahead of time or is it during uh, the consultation, at the beginning of the consultation? What's your sort of um, best yeah. practice recommendation? So my workflow at the moment is, and, and what we what we know about most NovoPsych users is, is during the session, they'll generate a link from NovoPsych and then using their video conference tool, they'll send the link by instant message to the client the client will click on the link and then do the uh, the assessment, which takes about, on average, a minute and a half to do the assessment. They'll do that in session and then they'll press submit and then the results are instantly available to the clinician. The reason why doing it in session is helpful is that it provides a useful tool for discussion afterwards. And so the, the clinician and the patient after they've done the assessment in session, can immediately discuss, okay, so where are you at compared to where you were at last time? And so, you know, some examples about why it's useful to do it in session is that let's say, you know, you had a client who was incredibly depressed for the first um, few weeks you saw them and then they got better, but then you've given them the assessment today and they're back to square one. They're, They're feeling wretched. They're no good. They're feeling, you know, utterly depressed. Sometimes it can be helpful within the session to say, hey, look, I've just got the, the results from your assessment. The assessment is saying that you're, you're feeling really, really terrible. Does that suit your experience? And then the measurement being a, a tool for facilitating discussion rather than if you do it after the session or before the session, independent of the session, it tends to just become this static measurement thing that, you know, the client doesn't really know why they're filling it out and doesn't see the purpose. So in-session allows um, it to facilitate discussion. I actually see a lot of engagement value in that as well because you have that opportunity where it's, it's, it's a shared experience. It's happening together. It allows for that interaction and that question and answer and that kind of um, involvement and engagement. So I see, um, I see a great deal of benefit in that. If we sort of think about telehealth as an example, when an appointment is made and uh, the video fires up and you've got the practitioner on one side, the client on the other side, you know, there's some uh, clinical governance, there's some uh, consent to go through. At what point do you sort of bring in the sending of that link as you described it? Mental health sessions often go for about 50 minutes. I would usually send the assessment at about the 10 minute mark, although it can be pretty fluid. I certainly wouldn't do it right at the start because 
you know, people want to be listened to. They don't want to just take an assessment. So I'd usually wait 10 minutes before I'd bring it up. I wouldn't do it right at the very end of the session either, because then if you do it right at the very end and you try and you're, you know, you're wrapping up the appointment and then that some really useful information comes out of the assessment, then you won't have time to, to discuss it. So somewhere in the middle is usually a good place to do an assessment like this. And I suppose that gives you some time to actually deal with the responses at that point as well. Perhaps talk us through some of the um, broader areas. And I know you wanted to uh, kind of talk about the value and the benefit of that routine monitoring as well. Do you want to talk to us about the monitoring concept within NovoPsych? Yeah. So, you know, we as, you know, healthcare providers like to believe that we're doing good for our clients. And, And, you know, the vast majority of us hopefully are. We presume that we're doing good for our clients because there's evidence, there's research trials saying, you know, psychological therapy is effective. What I'm passionate about is not only um, uh, basing practice on the research, but actually doing practice-based evidence rather than just evidence-based practice. And so that's monitoring client outcomes at the beginning, middle and end of treatment and so the clinician ourselves can be empowered by the data we're collecting and say, right, well, what are my outcomes for this type of patient with this type of problem so that we can see which types of clients we're doing a great job at um, and could potentially uh, specialise in and which we get stuck in and perhaps need to work harder at. So that sort of goes down to the effectiveness? Absolutely. You're able to see how effective treatment is being with clients. You know, we usually use our intuition to figure this stuff out. We intuitively get a sense about whether the the client is benefiting. The research evidence shows that trained professionals are terrible at actually using intuition to accurately measure how their clients are going, partly because human beings' memories are not so good. And so we find it difficult to remember how the client was at the beginning of treatment compared to at the end. The great thing about, you know, computers and NovoPsych is NovoPsych doesn't forget. And so it's able to objectively measure where the client was at the very beginning, the middle and the end. And the feedback that I get from clients constantly when when doing this is they're really staggered about their improvement, you know, because the improvements tend to be slow and gradual over time. We're not very good at picking them up ourselves. But when you can see it graphed out clearly, in a platform like NovoPsych, where you can see the symptoms reducing over time, then it can really show, aha, this treatment has benefited me. So you've got this objective measure that is now gradually growing across the time series where you're actually able to, it's a contemporaneous measure, isn't it? It's something that um, you're not reconstructing, you know, three months later in retrospect, it's actually something that is being documented at around about the same time as the um, as the progress, yeah? Exactly right. Where, you know, human beings are not the, the best historians and, and, um, and, and also tracking back and saying, okay, so why now are you better? What are the conditions that are currently conducive to your mental well-being and what was wrong with back then that, that was making it more difficult to feel good? We're able to be sort of like detectives and say, you know, back, you know, last year you were feeling great. Why was that? And, you know, some, some really interesting stuff comes out um, where, you know, we can see clearly that a 20-year-old's moved out of home from their parents. They suddenly feel better. And we can go, aha, we can see this clearly on the graphs. 
Or sometimes when someone started taking antidepressant medication, we can see a clear before and after. And of course, with objective psychometric measurements, this becomes really clear. How customizable are the forms for different areas of um, mental health? You, you were making mention to some of the differences in the types of um, surveys and forms used in Australia versus other uh, jurisdictions or preferred in different jurisdictions. How broadly does Novo Psych work across all areas of mental health care? We've got a, a vast library of, of assessments. We've got 40 or 50 assessments built into Novo Psych measuring um, many, many things. So we've tried to have a pretty good spectrum of measurements. A few things to keep in mind with these measurements is that um, there is a big difference between a good measurement and a survey. Um, There's a science around creating surveys um, and creating psychometric assessments. And so NovoPsych only includes the best, most reliable and most validated assessment tools um, because we want to keep the... uh, data fertility really good in NovoPsych. And so we know that we're measuring something meaningful, um, clinically relevant, um, which has sound scientific validation. And and so there's really a menu of um, assessment tools that the um, clinicians can choose from. And different clinicians will have different tastes and choose from the menu accordingly. You've sort of spelled out that um, alliance, uh, the value proposition around building that alliance, getting getting that kind of um, evidence-based approach that across a timeline we're able to either see improvements or perhaps even lack of improvements and use some of those data points to hone in on the things that have been working and the things that perhaps haven't been working and that's really helping build that alliance and really get down to areas of therapy that can be very uh, very effective. Is NovoSoc being used at a practice level broadly, you know, to look at either characteristics across a cohort of clients or perhaps um, across areas of different um, specialisations within mental health care? Yeah, absolutely. So most users of NovoPsych are individual clinicians who just want to track their own um, patients. But there is also a growing cohort of larger practices and mental health organisations using NovoPsych broadly as part of their intervention system. And then what they can do with the data in NovoPsych is their practice manager or data analytics person within that uh, organisation can download the data and analyse it and cut it lots of different ways to get a really clear sense about, as an organisation at large, what's happening. We're finding that this is really important for practices, large practices that want to get government tenders. So sometimes there's big pools of money that the government puts out saying, all right, we're looking for an organisation to provide services for this vulnerable group and there's, you know, $500,000 up for grabs. And practices who have been routinely collecting their outcomes, reporting on their outcomes, are using that in the government tender process to say, hey, look, we don't just say that we're benefiting clients. The rock-solid data is showing that we are. And then also when they're tendering, They're saying, and as part of our tender, we are going to continue the process of looking at all of these analytics through NovoPsych so that by the end of that um, service provision period set out in the tender, um, we'll be able to report back with some um, solid data for you. And so as the mental health funding environment 
evolves, there's more and more of an emphasis on being accountable with data. So that means that um, you're able to deal with it one-to-one, you're able to deal with it uh, between a practitioner and the type of um, statistics they're generating across their clients, their portfolio of clients that they're working with. So it's um, it's really clever the way that kind of, you know, the view goes from one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many. Um, there's a lot of valuable insights there. In digital health, there's this ever-growing complexity in determinants of um, healthcare. There's a proliferation of data out there, some of which we call dark data, which is being generated but nobody's looking at. And then there's um, data that's actually being used in in analytics and uh, metrics to actually be useful in decision making and informing outcomes, for example. So I love the I love the various layers that you can sort of um, use Nova Psych in different contexts. So we've sort of established that it is possible to transition from being physically in the same place to actually being able to do things online and be able to work through those. You know, are we just making some changes at the moment with video and uh, voice instant messaging and some of the remote tools temporarily? Are we going to have a much more enduring transformation as far as um, uh, modern mental health care is concerned? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll see a sustained move to um, uh, more innovative digital ways of delivering healthcare. But what I suspect will happen, I, I mean, I think ultimately the government will be um, watching very closely to see how remote healthcare and telemedicine is working. The key thing, I think, is whether the funders, whether Medicare primarily and private health insurance companies are, gonna, are going to extend the funding arrangements that have been uh, implemented during coronavirus. Um, if the government has the foresight and leadership I think, uh, I hope they'll do that. And I think that then there'll be so many clinicians that think, oh my gosh, this remote telemedicine thing really works for me. It really works for clients. The outcomes are good. It works from a, a, a business point of view. Um, and so I think everything is set up. The technology is very mature that it can happen. I think it's going to be a matter of political will. What do you think? Well, um, one of the fundamental questions that digital health asks is, you know, how does your healthcare service fit into the lives, the schedules, the goals and aspirations of your client? And I always come back to that. It's almost a, a principle, you know, when thinking about how we can modernise healthcare, bearing in mind the drivers are coming from the client side. So um, we as citizens in the community, um, our lifestyles are evolving. And, um, you know, the cities are becoming more populated. It's um, not as easy to move around. Um, you know, taking time out of, out of work in, in the traditional go-to-work, nine-to-five kind of model, it's getting harder to actually just do an appointment for healthcare. You know, that's usually a uh, not just a 50-minute session. It's transport. It's parking. There's a lot of um, competition in a person's day in terms of what they're going to use their time for. And I think that's also nuanced by generation and by uh, demographic as well. So I think, you know, the internet is here, it's universal. Smartphones are pretty much uh, owned by everyone. Uh, They're definitely at a saturation point in terms of consumption by us all. Internet's everywhere, or, or if it's not, it's not far away from being there. There's a political aspect to getting the um, funding right, getting incentives right, getting the um, policies and procedures right. But I think just as consumers, 
where in other industries we've become way more used to being able to um, purchase our goods and services and engage with our goods and service providers online. So I kind of think why, you know, why should healthcare be any different or perhaps why should healthcare be not right up at the leading edge, you know, on um, how to do that? Uh, because it doesn't always have to be one practitioner's time for, uh, you know, one hour of time, one-to-one with a person. There's other ways that we can use digital tools to scale uh, the individual healthcare provider's time and be able to work with um, web-based concepts that um, help clients progress towards their goals, progress towards the the type of healthcare outcomes they're looking for in cooperation with the healthcare provider, um, but also taking some of the ownership on themselves, whether that's tasks that they perform, things that they engage with, education that they uh, take up. So I, I see it as as being from both sides. I think it's that it's coming from the inside out, but it's also coming from the outside in. And it's just a matter of time. I think if COVID-19 didn't happen, we would be still getting there, but it would just be moving at that sort of pace that it was moving at. Uh, but now we have this real acceleration event. But I was I was curious to see, you know, what you thought about whether it's worth a lot of people's time and effort to kind of, you know, pivot into video and online and use some of these digital health tools if they're kind of cynical that in six months' time they're just going to snap back into, you know, where they were, you know, kind of six months ago. But I think it's a, I think it's a real opportunity to actually just accelerate that transformation and, and, and keep going with it uh, because the tools yeah. are just excellent, you know, to be able to continue to work out and innovate the delivery of healthcare. You're right. The tools are absolutely there and they've been there for probably... I don't know, probably a few years, you know, everything's been very workable. Everyone knows how to do a video um, consult online. It's been interesting just at an individual level in in our practice, about half of the people prefer to do it in person still. Mm -hmm. We're actually open, open, you know, people can come in and then half are opting to do do it via video. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if it's a 50-50 split now, with, in the context of coronavirus, it'll be interesting to see where it's at after coronavirus. And I imagine it'll be uh, maybe 25% would prefer online and maybe 75% still in person. And, that, and I think that's interesting in that online, you can do 90% of what you usually would online as you would in person. But it's that 10% that we're going to have to be innovative. If we, if we want to overcome that 10% that's missing in the online environment, I think that, you know, we're yet to see innovations and tools to get us there. I'm sure it'll happen. It's just a matter of all the innovations to come. Yeah, and and I would argue that if you sort of take the COVID-19 factor out of it and sort of say, you know, 75, 25, to me that kind of is reminiscent of how all change happens. There's there's, um, early adopters and uh, kind of innovators uh, by definition within, uh, let's say, classes of consumers. That's usually that kind of first 10 to 15% of where the change is being adopted and embraced. And that might, under normal circumstances, persist for a number of years. But at some point, that starts to become the new norm and it starts to move into a, um, a majority, an early majority, and then a late majority. And then, you know, that's how most people kind of do things. It's no longer having to explain to people that, hey, there's this way of doing it and then there's another way of doing it. It's kind of this is the new way of doing it and perhaps there'll be other, you know, early adopters kind of trialling some new stuff, you know, at that point in time. There's a constant evolution towards that and I think part of the modernisation principle is not to go all in 
unless you really have to, but it's to constantly kind of have that experimental aspect, uh, like an R&D part of what you do, where you're pushing some frontiers, perhaps five or 10% of your, your business time and effort is going there, which is sort of experimenting with new ways to kind of figure out where a client's going to really value things going forward. And if it doesn't work, discard. If it does work, do more of the same and refine that process and make it better. And we've kind of addressed this with our online booking capability as well. We've introduced time zones as an example because we uh, recognise now that um, there will be clients who will only prefer to do it online and and not go anywhere. So that means that, um, you know, if you're a, for argument's sake, a Melbourne-based mental health provider, you could provide services to somebody in the Northern Territory or in, in WA or in far, you know, far North Queensland who is that type of client who just wants to do it online and they have found you and you're available to them because you have that service. So that kind of opens up a growth opportunity as an expansion opportunity in doing that. And with that will come data. You know, what, what was that experience like? Has it been effective? Is it more or less effective? You know, we'll learn from it as, a, as an industry together. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I'm certainly an early adopter. Um, well, I like to think of myself as an early adopter on things, you know, always always buying the latest whiz-bang little gizmo and trying to be innovative uh, with business models and so on. The coronavirus has forced people who perhaps aren't early adopters into some of these new ways of doing things, which I think is ultimately going to be really fantastic for, well, for them in particular, for their clients um, and uh, for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably when we look back at the, the era of coronavirus, we'll see that maybe it's sped up the transition by maybe a year or two um, is, is probably what I'm, I'm expecting. We're certainly on the march to implement more digital tools and I think it'll just speed it up more. Yeah, I'd, I would absolutely agree with that. Given that we've talked about that kind of, you know, there's a booking made, there's an appointment being attended, whether it's in person or online, there's a feedback, the link that you send out through Novosoak, for example, you're generating information that's producing, uh, you know, contemporaneous measurements and documentation. At some point, that documentation, does that inform part of any reports or, um, or communication uh, back to other points of care? You know, for example, a general practice? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, that um, most of our uh, users do is, most people get referrals from GPs and, and we write letters back to the GP at session number six or, you know, during the, at the end of the episode of care. And what more and more Novosyc users are doing is incorporating the graph of the symptoms into the letter to their GPs. Um, so the GP can quickly, you know, scan the letter and we all know that GPs are pretty time poor. And so if we can visually represent what's happened with the, with the clinician over the last 10 weeks in a simple graph, then the GP can get a really clear idea about um, what happened in treatment, whether it was effective, whether it wasn't, and a really clear objective measurement about where the client is, is at. You know, and I think ultimately what will happen is eventually end users, so clients, patients themselves, will be the custodians of their own data and they'll be able to share that data with various um, health professionals, their GP, their psychologists, so on and so forth, to have a, a sort of a, a living record of who they are. I think we're a little while off that yet, but Novopsych is moving in that direction. 
at the moment, um, what it looks like is a simple letter back to the GP with a really easy to, to look at graph. You know, that's uh, also a great opportunity for secure messaging is just to make sure that, you know, any GPs that um, looking up directories, they're able to actually find uh, the um, practitioners to refer to and also to be able to receive that electronic communication back um, securely rather than sort of relying on, you know, handing a referral letter to a patient and expecting them to actually walk that into a clinic. There's a great workflow integration opportunity there with telehealth in particular that any documentation that's being generated can actually be brought back into the clinical record within Core Plus and then, um, you know, be uh, able to actually look up the GP, attach any um, letters or um, other documentation and then send that off nice and securely and kind of, you know, minimise any potential data breach issues that could occur uh, through uh, traditional manual methods as well. One last question, uh, Ben, it's uh, kind of future gazing. We've kind of been touching on it a little bit, uh, you know, as we've been comparing COVID-19 now and post. If we kind of, let's just park COVID-19 and just talk about the future uh, of mental health care, perhaps with a timeline of about five years, give or take. But how do you see the evolution now with the likes of, uh, you know, tools like NovoPsych um, and this sort of digital health transformation? Where do you see the, the industry being at? In, in five years' time? What's what's your take on it? Yeah, I think that in five years' time, more and more clinicians themselves are going to be self-motivated to um, engage in professional development based on the data that they're getting in their practice. You know, we don't come out of university knowing everything. Um, and, and so, I, I, I mean, I see a groundswell of support for clinicians empowering themselves uh, through uh, getting feedback and learning from their clients. I'm always amazed. I feel like I learn just as much from my clients as they learn from me. And I think that that process of, you know, like 360 review feedback for clinicians is going to be an integral part of, of how we improve outcomes for our patients in five years. Oh, I really connect with that. Uh, it's the same kind of sentiment or principle, if you will, uh, within the software world where that feedback system is absolutely critical. And I relate to what you've done with NovoPsych in that context. Um, you know, we, we have some different language for it, but we effectively elicit feedback as frequently as possible so that that can actually help inform where our priorities should be at and things that we should be adjusting and changing. You know, for example... You know, recently we had to move very quickly in order to respond to uh, putting out video tools and telehealth capabilities. That's an example of um, just being responsive to uh, clients. And, you know, we've received a lot of support and appreciation from the community for that. It's actually helped them achieve their goals through this kind of, you know, fast-paced transformation type period as well. So I've got a lot of empathy with that idea and um, I think you've done a, a great job with uh, NovoPsych and I look forward to seeing some of that vision uh, kind of manifest itself. Uh, so, Dr. Ben Buchanan, thank you very much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website healthtechx.com.au or if you have any feedback about the show you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. 
And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.